0: Good morning. How are we all this morning? Yeah. Are we nice and warm? No. Now we're nice and warm. Yeah. Wasn't very warm when we got here, but that's okay. We are warm yeah. now. That's good. Thanks, heaps, team. So, this morning I thought I would share on the topic of faith and faithfulness. And I was thinking about this and looking back over some previous messages, and, and I kind of realised it's a topic that I seem to keep coming back to quite regularly a theme that's quite prevalent throughout whatever I'm sharing about, whether it's directly or indirectly. And so then I started second-guessing myself. Yep. It's like, well, what if I've heard all this before? What if they don't want to hear about this again? Do I, do I really want to share this? Do people actually want to hear it? Yep. And it was, it was easy to start... <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yep. It was easy to start coming up with excuses or barriers as to why I shouldn't talk about this or why I should even choose something else. But then I realized something. We are living in a time where we are encouraged to trust in just about everything other than the word of God. Where humanity is looking for any excuse to undermine who God is, to undermine our ability to trust him, and to put our faith in self or in others. The message of the world is that a faithful God is an outdated concept. He has no relevance. But we know better, right? So if everything else is shouting that message, then more than ever before, we need to be talking about God's faithfulness and our need to have faith in Him. It is God's faithfulness, that which I can completely rely on and trust in, that has endured no matter what I've faced in my life. When as a child I experienced the separation of my parents, it was knowing that God would be there no matter what that kept me going to church while the rest of my family stayed home. As a teen facing the sudden death of my father, it was knowing God's presence, love, and faithfulness that helped me through a period of intense grief. And as an adult, experienced the loss of a job when I was actually the main income earner at the time, knowing that I could put my trust in God alone was what carried me through. Mm -hmm. My life is a testimony of his faithfulness, and we are called to testify about who he is and what he has done in us. Psalm 105 verse 1 says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. And 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. It seems to me that talking about God's faithfulness, not only in the Bible, but in my life, is not just a good idea, but it's a command. So here we go. You know, Often when we talk about faith and God's faithfulness, we go straight to the life of Abraham. And let's be honest, it's a great place to start. Yeah. Hebrews 11, the chapter of the Bible that is like an honor roll of the heroes of the faithful, half of this chapter is all about Abraham. But then it goes on to detail the faith of Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, Moses, the people of Israel, Rahab, and then tells us that there isn't time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. The chapter, in fact, finishes up in verse 39 and 40 by stating, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The beauty of the whole of the Old Testament is that it is full of stories that show time and time again that God is a God of faithfulness. And it lays the foundation for when Jesus, the Son of God, becomes the exclamation mark to all that God has promised, and by his death and resurrection, shows God's faithfulness to us once and for all. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Today, I want to look at Moses and what we can learn from him to help us to have faith in God and to trust in his enduring faithfulness. Now, there is a lot that we could look at in the life of Moses. I mean, he spent 40 years wandering in the desert and dealing with the frustrations of leading God's chosen people for a start. But I'd like to pick up his story just a little bit before that, in Exodus 3. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush." At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now God then tells Moses that he's heard the cry of the Israelites who were enslaved to the Egyptians, and he's remembered his covenant with Abraham. He tells Moses that he is sending him to Pharaoh to bring the people of Israel out of slavery. And in verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And so God tells Moses to go to the elders of Israel and then to the king of Egypt and explains how he intends to free the Israelites. But in chapter four, Moses isn't quite done with this conversation. And he answered, but what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Fair call. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Seemed like fairly good convincing arguments. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you to speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Now Moses himself had been raised by Pharaoh's daughter and had fled after killing an Egyptian. He'd married, started a family, and was living a quiet life in Midian. He was essentially minding his own business when God chose him to be the person to lead the people of Israel out of captivity. Funnily enough, even with God appearing to him in a burning bush... Moses had some objections to this. Yeah. God, however, graciously responded to each of these objections in order to show his faithfulness not only to Moses, but to his chosen people. Right. God spoke to Moses, the plural, you know, it's hard. God spoke to Moses in telli- insignificance. One of the first things that Moses questions is his right or authority to not only approach Pharaoh, but the Israelite elders. And in verse 11 he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God immediately responds with, I will be with you and I will give you a sign. Now Moses had spent the years since he had fled to Midian leading a fairly ordinary life and wasn't the same fiery young man who had objected to the treatment of the Hebrew slaves and that which had led him to kill the Egyptian. His perspective was that he was insignificant. He had no authority to be the spokesperson, let alone the leader of the people of Israel. However, God's response of, I'm going with you, my presence gives you the authority to do this, was to give him assurance that just as he had been with Isaac and Jacob, he would be with Moses. That seems like a pretty good encouragement, right? But Moses is concerned that this alone won't be enough and says, what if they ask me, what is his name? Now, the interesting thing here is that he isn't concerned that they will ask him who this God is. God has already identified himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they will ask, what is his name? What is it about the character and nature of God that could get them out of this situation? And God's response is, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. This isn't a case of him simply saying, my name is my name. It's not a case of Joe. My name is Joe. I am signifies that he is the beginning and the end the Alpha and Omega, that he is, was, and will be present. The word used here is Yahweh, and it's a word that scholars have never quite been able to grasp the full and complete meaning of, but all agree that its use here is significant. Essentially, he is saying, you can trust me. I am and will be faithful. In fact, my name is synonymous with faithfulness, and that is how you are to remember me throughout the generations. Moses had authority because God, he who is and Will always be faithful, Yahweh was with him. God spoke to Moses' fear of man. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, Moses says, But what if they don't believe me? I mean, it's one thing for God to appear in a burning bush to Moses, but he can't exactly pick the bush up and take it with him as proof. So you kind of get the sense that maybe Moses doesn't want to appear as foolish. I'm pretty sure that you or I, as much as we would like to think we would do better, would probably have similar concerns. Have you ever hesitated when you felt like God was wanting you to do something or maybe say something to somebody? I remember once having a lunch, having lunch with a friend that I hadn't seen in ages, and we were sitting in a cafe and just talking about stuff and what had been going on in her life, and I felt really strongly that God wanted to say something to her about her situation. And I sat there having this internal dialogue with God, but I'm in a restaurant, I'm in a public place. She doesn't know you. What if she thinks I'm crazy? And in the end, God won, as he does, which is good. And I chose to step out in faith and share with her what I felt like God was saying. And it immediately hit the mark. It's probably the only time and hopefully the last time I've ever made anybody cry in a restaurant. <laughs> but when I saw that, there was a big sense of relief on my part. And that whole situation, like that helps me to understand Moses' objection here. It's a very human reaction. What if I make a fool of myself? What if they think I'm crazy? How do I prove that this is you, God? And God graciously gives him three signs to use. Now, God didn't need to provide these miraculous signs. The Bible tells us that his word is enough, but it was an instrument to build Moses' faith and that of the people. When God asks us to do something, the biggest test of our faith is to just simply be obedient. It is never his intent to humiliate us. We can trust him. He is faithful, and his faithfulness is so much bigger than our fear of what others might think. We are able to step out in faith because he is faithful. And God also spoke to Moses' insecurity. In verse 10, Moses then says, I've never been eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, by this stage, you kind of feel like maybe Moses is just stalling a bit. He's a bit of a reluctant leader. But I think it shows some of his insecurities, Perhaps he doesn't think that he has enough command of both the Hebrew and the Egyptian languages or that he won't be able to communicate confidently or respond appropriately to anything Pharaoh may say. Maybe he's got the voice of the enemy whispering to him, you won't be good enough. No one wants to hear you speak. Pharaoh will be too smart for you. And God again graciously responds in verses 11 and 12, reminding Moses that it is him that gives man his voice, his ability to see, to hear, That he will give him the ability to speak and will teach him what to say. But still, Moses resists. Does it have to be me? Can't someone else do it? Please send someone else. At this point, it says that the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And can you blame him? As a parent, I think I understand this bit here. You know that frustration you feel when you've asked your kids to do something, something that you know they need to do or is good for them, and they've come up with excuse after excuse, and you've responded to each one, and now it's got to the point where it just feels like they're resisting for the sake of it. Although I know that in this case, God has shown far more patience than any of us could have. He again provides Moses with a solution. Having already said, Moses, you don't need to do this in your strength. I'll be with you. I'll give you what you need. He then says, to make doubly sure so that you are secure. Your brother Aaron is on his way to meet you. I will help you both, and he will speak for you. So Moses goes with Aaron, and he speaks to the elders of the Israelites. And he goes to Egypt to ask Pharaoh to ask them to leave. And if you continue reading over the next few chapters, you'll see that God uses 10 plagues to to not only show his faithfulness to the Israelites, but to also show show his power and might to the Egyptians. Moses continues to go back and forth to Pharaoh, pleading with him to let them go, telling them what God's warned that he's going to do, and Pharaoh just refuses to listen. Changes his mind about a million times. And then eventually, Pharaoh's had enough, and he says, just go, would you just leave? Of course, in true fashion, Pharaoh also changes his mind after that and comes chasing after them, meeting them at the Red Sea where God miraculously delivers them, parts the sea so that they can escape through it before allowing the water to to close over the Egyptian army. The people of Israel were delivered from Egypt, all because Moses went from excuses and objections to trusting that God was indeed I Am, that he could be trusted because he was faithful. Moses was a fairly ordinary 40-year-old man whom God had chosen in spite of his insecurities, his fears, his objections. This very small section of Moses' life, when you consider all the rest that that is written of him, everything else that he did, is significant because of who it allowed him to become. He was able to recognize that God's faithfulness was bigger than any obstacles he could face. And this led him to lead a life of, of faith that allowed the Israelites to eventually enter the promised land. We too can learn that our doubts, our grumblings, our objections, our fears, our perspectives, they pale into insignificance when we consider God's faithfulness. Mm, We can have faith because He is faithful. Our faith does not rely on our ability to face a challenge, or a giant, or an impassable body of water but on God's greatness and his faithfulness towards us. In Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14, just before he parts the sea so they can escape, we read, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. How different an expression of faith was this to his objections earlier on? Wouldn't it be great if our first response to situations was not to doubt or raise objections as to how God could meet our needs, but to acknowledge that he will fight for us. We need only be still. Team, I'd love for you guys to come back. You know what is the best part about all of this? The same God that Moses trusted in to deliver them from Egypt, the same God who provided them redemption, is the same God who sent his son Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice for each one of us. The same God who parted the sea for Moses, who slayed the giant for David, who created the earth and sets the stars in the sky, is the same God that we can call on for whatever situation we face. The same God who in the person of Jesus cast out demons and healed the sick is the same God that we can call upon for miracles. The same God is the Lord whom it says will fight for us. We need only be still. That is why we can have faith. Not because of anything you or I can do, but because of who he is, because of his great faithfulness. In a moment, we're going to sing that awesome song, Same God. But before I do, I just want to read to you from Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one And calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What I'd really love to do now is I really want to allow time for some response. You know, Dave's already allowed a moment this morning for for you to respond to God's sovereign ability to heal. But maybe you sat there or you stood there and you're like, I just don't know if I have enough faith. I just don't know. Maybe you had objections. Now is the time to hand those objections to God, to say, you know what? I'm going to be like Moses. I'm going to say, not my will, but your will be done not in my strength, but in yours, God, so that I can stand and say, great is your faithfulness. The Lord will deliver me. I need only be still. I'd love you to stand if you are able, and just as we sing this next song, I'm going to pray now, but I'd really love, if if you've got something that you really would like to see God move in, I'd love to invite you to just come out to the front, and we're going to lay hands. If there is something that you are just struggling to see, a light at the end of the tunnel. Or maybe you actually just want to be able to increase an increase in your faith in general. Maybe this world has become a really scary place and you've got all these voices telling you one way to think and you just want to be able to trust in God. Yeah. Then I'd love to pray with you. Father, I thank you that you are the God of Abraham, yes, God. the God of Jacob. Yes the God of of Isaac, the God of Moses, the God of David, the God of all these people who testify to your greatness, who testify to your love and your faithfulness. And God, right now we open our hearts to you and we say, Lord, speak, speak to us, encourage us with your faithfulness and your love, that no matter what situation it is that I face, I know that I can trust on you, a trustworthy, faithful God. Thank you, Lord.